0: Well, if you would, turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Luke, chapter 2. Today we're going to read verses 15 through 20. We're going to wrap up our, our study, the birth of Christ found in the second chapter of Luke's Gospel. We've looked at the historical events preceding the birth of Christ. We looked at his family tree. We looked at the birth itself. We've looked at the birth announcement. And this morning we're going to see the shepherds go and visit Joseph and Mary and their newborn son. And the question I want to ask is this. Is this. What is produced in the human heart when a person is released from fear and receives the gospel of the Lord Jesus? What's produced in our hearts when we're released from fear and we receive the gospel of the Lord? There are tons of places we could go in Scripture to answer that question. But as it pertains to this text specifically, what can we learn? Well, we saw the release of fear back in verse 10. There are shepherds in the fields in the outskirts of Bethlehem. Uh, It's nighttime. They're keeping watch over their flocks, and suddenly Scripture tells us that an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they're filled with great fear. And we talked about this last Sunday. and This fear is the natural response of any human this side of the Garden of Eden to the glory of the Lord. A complete fear, it is being made instantly and clearly aware that there is a God who is holy, 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 and that I am not, not, not. It's the reaction of the psalmist who says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? If you take note of my sins, if you shine a light on them and turn your gaze towards me, who could stand before you? And the answer, of course, is no one. So, this is what the shepherds encounter with this angel. It wasn't so much the supernatural creature that caused them to fear, as it was the glory of the Lord that shone all around them. But then there's an instant release from fear. What are the first two words spoken by the angels? Fear not. This is not the end for you because I bring you good news of great joy. I'm not bringing news of judgment. I'm not bringing news of justice or condemnation. I bring you gospel. Then, of course, the angel continues by delivering that gospel. He says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So, what does that news produce in the human heart? That release from fear to the person who humbly receives this. Well, that's what I hope to show you in this text, just to two or three things. But first, let's pray and ask for the Lord's blessing on the preaching of his word. Gracious God, how blessed we are to be among those who have been blessed by the gospel, blessed by the Holy Spirit, quickened and regenerated, made new, having experienced a second birth from above by the power of the Holy Spirit giving us a new heart and new affections and new desires, unlocking our wills so that we not only, uh, so that we will desire you and also be free to run to you. Father, we ask for the blessing of your spirit, that he would come and open the scriptures to us. We thank you for our Bible. We thank you for our access to it. We thank you that it is holy and infallible and inspired and inerrant. And we ask for a light to shine upon our minds and our hearts and our affections. Bless us, we pray, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 2, verses 15 through 20. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen, heard, and seen as it had been told them. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. So if you can remember back all the way to last night, you'll recall that one angelic visitor quickly became a whole host of angelic visitors. Suddenly the night sky is filled with them. It's the most spectacular Christmas light show ever, and it was the very first one. We talked about this last night. We talked about the the words that these angels were saying, because they weren't only filling the sky with the blazing afterglow of serving in the presence of God, but they were also praising him and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. May his praises fill all creation, even to the highest heaven, because of this work of salvation he has ordained. Not only will a people be saved, but he is going to do it himself. And the shepherds are watching all this. They're hearing these words. And they're unable to turn away until finally the angels return to heaven. I'm not sure how long this was, but the sky becomes dark and quiet again. And then we see the first product of being released from fear and receiving this gospel of peace. It is an eager, seeking after the Lord. We see this in verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. You know, there's that saying you'll see around Christmas, wise men still seek him. I don't know, maybe I, it shouldn't bother me. It does kind of bother me. It just seems like we're, taking an op- it's, we're just giving ourselves an opportunity to pat ourselves on the back like, yes, I'm a very wise person. Well, it turns out it wasn't only wise men who sought out the Lord. Have y'all noticed this? So did the shepherds. So, did these ragamuffin, stinky, dirty social outcasts. And unlike the wise men who brought treasures of gold and frankincense and myrrh, these shepherds have nothing to offer. Now, I had an idea this morning for a, maybe it's a possible future decoration, Christmas decoration for my yard. I don't know if I can get Molly on board. I haven't talked to her about this. But just imagine you drive past my house and there's a sign in the front yard with a big spotlight on it. And it reads, stinky mangy shepherds who have nothing to offer still seek him. <laughs> That's what happens. That's what this good news of great joy has produced in their hearts. An eager, eager, Seeking after the Lord, and so they go they go to Bethlehem, Luke says they go with haste. This is urgent. They want to find this sign that has been given to them. The angel tells them what to look for. He says, "This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now now i don 't know how many stables there were in Bethlehem. I don't know how long it took for them to to find them. Maybe the Lord was lying in a manger that was familiar to them. Not, maybe that's the case because apparently it didn't take them very long to find Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. You take note of this eager seeking of the Lord. I think, I mean, it's an obvious point of application that we are to seek him as well. That it is right and it is healthy and it is indicative of a heart that has been transformed by the grace of God to seek him. Not because you're trying to prove yourself but not because you want to prove that you are good and faithful. Seek him simply because you want to see him. I mean, Isn't that what they said? Let us go and see this thing that has happened. Why would we not do the same? Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What is our response to that? Seek Him. Seek Him in prayer. Seek Him in His words. Seek Him by gathering with His body. Seek Him in worship. Seek Him so that you might better see this thing that has happened. The shepherds didn't say, "Wow, that was amazing." And then go back to tending their sheep. They left the sheep to go seek the Lord. And there's a wonderful little note here that J.C. Ryle includes in his commentary. It's one of those statements, you know, you read from church history and I just hope it will never be forgotten. And the fact that it's over 500 years old may prove true. But the story is there were a number of believers in England who were taken prisoner. I believe this was during the reign of Bloody Mary. They're arrested as they gathered to pray. And Bishop John Hooper wrote them a letter. And in it, he says these words. Quote, Quote, Read the second chapter of St. Luke. And there ye shall see how the shepherds that watched their sheep all night, as soon as they heard that Christ was born at Bethlehem, by and by must go to see him. They did not reason nor debate with themselves who should keep the wolf from the sheep in the meantime, but did as they were commanded. And committed their sheep to him whose pleasure they obeyed. So let us do. Now we be called. Let us commit all other things unto him that called us. He will take heed that all things shall be well. He will help the husband. He will comfort the wife. He will guide the servants. He will keep the house. He will preserve the goods. Yea, rather than it should be undone, He will wash the dishes and rock the cradle. Cast therefore all your care upon God." End quote: You have these believers who have been arrested. Some surely were ministers of the gospel. Some surely had children. Some surely were married. And they all experience a natural concern. Who will care for my parishioners while I'm in jail? Who will care for my children while I'm in jail? Who will care for my spouse while I'm in jail? And to these concerns, Bishop Hooper reminds them, cast all your care upon him. He will watch after those we care for, those that we are unable to watch after. I mean, have you ever thought about this detail in the story that the shepherds just leave their sheep alone in the fields, these unintelligent animals? No one remains to guard them. No one remains to keep the wolf away. No one remains to keep them from wandering off. They just left them to go and see this thing that the Lord had made known to them. Now, I I hope, I mean, without me even having to say this, I hope it's obvious that in no way am I encouraging anyone to abandon children or spouse. But how might these words from Bishop Hooper apply? How might the shepherd's obedience and trust in the Lord apply? Most of us have some area of responsibility, something or someone we look after, and we all have moments when we hold fast to the delusion that if we step away from the helm for just a moment the ship will wreck if i let go if i step away bad things will happen and we might try to reassure ourselves and just say well i'm just i'm just highly committed maybe we're struggling To trust the Lord, not believing that things will hold together without us. It's a humbling thing to think about the world going on without you at the helm. A recent illustration just from Mississippi News is that on December 12th, Mike Leach, the head coach of the Mississippi State football team, passed away. And just three days later one of his assistant coaches who is actually younger than me was named the new head coach. It's a humbling thing that the world continues on and it doesn't stop the moment you stop. I just want to encourage you in this extended application and remind us that We are to do what the Lord commands. These shepherds were commanded to go and find this child. We are to follow his commands as well. We are to respond with obedience and simultaneously trust that by his power and his strength and his wisdom, all things will be well. He watched over their sheep while they left, he watched over their livelihood. They trusted him and responded in obedience. And the flock didn't drop dead. They were in the Lord's care. Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica and says, he who calls you is faithful. We would do well to remember. So back to that opening question, what's produced in the human heart when we are released from fear and receive this gospel? Well, there's an eager eager seeking after God, and then there's also a verbal component. These mangy, stinky shepherds find Mary and Joseph and the baby just as described. What do they do? They made known the saying that had been told them. Remember, I made the comment how nice it would have been, in my opinion, for an angel to have visited Mary and Joseph right before delivery and said, hey, y'all, you're right where you need to be. Don't worry. I know this is not how you planned it, but listen, you are right where the Lord wants you. They don't get that. Instead, they're left to manage as best they can. That is until these shepherds poke their head in the stall and they say is there a baby in here this this might be hard to believe but an angel came to us this evening and told us about the birth of a child who would be swaddled a lot like that one and who would be found in a manger and the angel also told us that your child is Christ the lord are we in the right spot Mary and Joseph graciously invite them in to their little stall, fill them in on the details, show them the child. And in that moment, seeing that little bundle tightly swaddled, I can imagine those shepherds feeling something akin to the words spoken by Augustine. I see the depths, but I cannot see the bottom. I can see the child in front of me, but I know that this is not a mere child. This is the king from David's line whose reign will never end. And the shepherds get to see him. And they return to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen. And as they're returning, they're telling everybody. Verse 18 says that all who heard this good news of the birth of the Savior wondered at what the shepherds told them. It appears as though the shepherds were unable to keep this good news of great joy to themselves. The angels couldn't keep it to themselves. Mary and Joseph couldn't keep it to themselves. So why would we? Final point. It's brief, but it's important. In verse 18, we read, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Now, we might read that positively. But the word wonder does not necessarily equate with saving faith. I'll give you some examples just from Luke. We'll stay in Luke's canon. The people wondered at Zechariah, father of John the Baptist, when he delayed in the temple. The neighbors and relatives of Zechariah and Elizabeth wonder that they are naming their son John. The disciples marveled, same word in the Greek, when Jesus calms the storm and they're terrified. The people marveled when Jesus cast out a demon. The Pharisees were astonished, again, same word, when they saw that Jesus did not wash his hands before dinner. And I could go on and on through the book of Acts. This word does not necessarily indicate belief in the news they have heard. But what about Mary, on the other hand? What does Luke tell us? By the way, how did well he says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart? How did Luke know that? Mary probably told him. And Luke records it. But here's the difference. On one hand, you've got wonder, which could be shock at what you've heard, an inability to believe, what you've heard, confusion, maybe even possible offense. You Think of the Pharisees. How dare he not wash his hands before he eats? Maybe it's even being impressed. And then there's belief. There's what Mary is doing, pondering the words of, of the angels, and those words relayed through the shepherds. She's pondering them in her heart as she holds her son in her arms. Those who simply wondered would say, well, that was an interesting morning. What did the shepherds get into last night? And then they'd walk away Unchanged. And the shepherds, on the other hand, would return to their fields glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen. So my prayer for myself and for each and every one of you is that we would feel more than wonder. But instead, the truth and weight of this good news of great joy, it's my prayer that it would penetrate deep within our hearts and make an indelible mark that we might be changed. Let's pray. Father, we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. We put ourselves this morning again in that stable, beholding the infant lying in a manger. He is the Son of God, from riches to rags for us. Lord, we pray, we pray that this news would find its way deep within us. Lord, give us no rest until we find this perfect rest in the gospel of your Son. We ask it in his name. Amen.